0: Today's reading is from Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 25, and it can be found on page 726. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not be faint. This is the word of the Lord. Great.
1: Well, uh, please keep uh, that passage open in front of you, although we're actually going to look at several different passages uh, this morning. Normally, our normal pattern is that we work our way through sections or uh, books, whole books of the Bible. Um, But today, we're, we're focusing on those verses, but then also looking at a few others elsewhere in the Bible as well. I'll take you through it. Let me lead us in prayer. Father, we pray, please, that you would be our teacher now as we come to your word Help us to understand it. Help us to live it out, to put into practice what we read here. In Jesus' name, amen. So at the start of each term, we are returning to our verse for the year. By the way, as, and as Joanne said at the beginning, if you need to get up, move around, go get water. whatever you need to, feel free to do so. I I won't be at all offended, Um, so feel free to do that. Like I said, um, uh, at the beginning of each term this year we decided we would return to our verse for the year uh, in a sermon and preach on it so that we're coming back to it, so that hopefully we're we're, we're sort of rubbing it into our hearts and into our souls so that it becomes uh, more and more a part of us. Uh, And so our verse for the year, as we've already heard, is from Isaiah 40, 30 and 31. Now, just so that you know where we're heading, next week we're going to start, we've got a few short sermon series coming up over this term. Next week we start a short sermon series uh, looking at uh, uh, Elijah in 1 Kings 17 to 19. That's called The Lord, He is God. So we go to Elijah and then we've got a short series uh, in Psalms uh, encouraging us to pray in all circumstances. Then we'll have a guest service where we're trying to encourage people to invite others in, so that's one service. And then we've got, we're going to go to the book of Haggai. Uh, and work through that. So we've got lots of different sermon series coming up this term, uh, which I'm looking forward to. Today, uh, we're in our verses for the year. Now, when we had our first sermon on the verses for the year, right at the be- back at the beginning of this year, we focused in on why we should put our hope in the Lord. Because that's what the verses encourage us to do. It says, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Why put your hope in the Lord? Uh, is what we thought about in the first sermon. And we did that by looking at the whole of the chapter, Isaiah 40, and seeing the many ways that in that chapter the Lord is described in his greatness. It's a bit like um, if you were uh, uh, in a nation about to go to war and you wanted to check, you know, are, are we going to win this? Is this going to be all right? You look at your army and you see how big it is and how powerful and strong it is and you think, yeah, we're going to be all right. So in Isaiah 40, when he says, put your hope in the Lord, he's done a whole load of work in the chapter to make you see see how great and strong and powerful the Lord is and why it's therefore wise to put your hope in the Lord. And so we saw in that first sermon that God's word is eternal, his arm is strong and gentle, his hand is vast and his wisdom is beyond measuring. So we saw the greatness of God in Isaiah 40. So that's why you should put your hope in the Lord. And then in the second sermon, we asked, so this was at the beginning of the summer term, we asked, what else are we tempted to put our hope in? Because actually in Isaiah 40, that's what God does. He says, Look, you Israelites, you're tempted to put your hope in these other things. But none of them are strong enough. None of them are things that you should put your strength, your hope in. And similarly for us. And we saw that in Isaiah 40, the Israelites were tempted to put their hope in the nations in other nations who looked so strong, or in idols, other gods, or in other people, rulers, leaders, other things like that. And God's saying, no, don't put your hope in them, put your hope in the Lord. And we asked what we might be tempted to put our hope in. So that's where we've been in our sermons. Today, we're going to ask, how does the Lord strengthen his people? Because that's the promise, isn't it? The promise there in the verses, uh, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not be faint. There's the promise that God will strengthen. But how does God strengthen? There is a contrast in these verses, uh, which is that, The Lord is strong. We've already seen that. If you've got the verses open in front of you, just cast your eyes back to um, verse 26 that Hillary just read for us. At the end of that verse, it says about the stars, because of his great power, well, it says about God, really, but because he brings out the stars, because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. You see God's strength and power because no star is missing. He brings them all out. They are all there because he says so. That's how strong and powerful God is. And he never tires. Verse 28, uh, towards the end of the verse, he will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. So God doesn't tire. And yet the contrast is with us, with people who do tire. We do get weary. We do fail. And so you see that um, in the verses as well. Verse 30 Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. In other words, the the strongest that you could think of that we've got, youths, young people. But even they at times do get tired. Even the best of us, the strongest of us, gets weary. So you've got that contrast. God never wearies, we do. And the promise is God, who never wearies, who is full of strength, will strengthen us. If we put our hope in him. Now we want to ask, what does that mean? Because I would imagine for many here, you've reacted in ways where you go, I could do with some of that strengthening. I want some of that strengthening. Maybe you've some here have had summer holidays, you've been refreshed, but even still, coming back into things, you go, Yeah, I still need strengthening. And so we come to that verse and go, Great, plug me in. I need that strengthening. But for some here, this is trickier, because some of us have long-term disabilities or struggles. We didn't come into the building soaring on wings like eagles. Some of us came in very not able to do that. For some, that's physical, not able to do it. For some, that's mental health problems. And yet, those are people who've put their hope in the Lord. So how does this work? God's saying, I'll strengthen you. There is strength here. But these are people who've put their hope in the Lord, and yet it seems like they're not soaring. How does this work? How does God strengthen his people? That's what we're asking this morning. And we're going to look at a few places in the Bible, and you should have on your sheet the sermon headings, so you can follow through. And that might help you on a hotter morning uh, that you can follow through. And so the first point is this. The Lord sometimes strengthens his people to overcome weaknesses. Sometimes uh, we see that the Lord strengthens people in his word, in the Bible. The Lord strengthens people by removing a weakness or giving them the strength to overcome it. Sometimes he does it through miraculous means, and sometimes it's just through what seems very natural. So just turn with me, would you, to um, 1 Kings chapter 4, which is page 360, the page there up on the screen. So page 360, and we're turning to Elijah. Now we're going to come back to this passage uh, when we do our little sermon series uh, on Elijah. But page 360. Did I get it wrong? Three, eight. three, three, eight. How did I get that so wrong? You're right. I've made a right mess of that, haven't I? What I mean is chapter eighteen, which is page three hundred and sixty. So I got the page right, the reference wrong. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, no, that, that, that's a wrong reference. So uh, one Kings chapter eighteen, it should be page three hundred and sixty. Sorry, it's one Kings nineteen, page three hundred and sixty. I I know where I got this wrong. I, I've given you the verse, not the chapter. So it's one Kings um, chapter nineteen and verse four. Now, okay. Um, what's going on here, uh, not what's going on here, but what's going on here, uh, this is a mystery, this is God's word. Um, Elijah um, has just battled, as it were, the prophets of Baal. He's given, had a competition with them. So Baal was a god that the Israelites decided to worship alongside the Lord, and Elijah showed them that uh, Baal is not God, only the Lord is God. And he'd had this wonderful contest. We're going to see it in the sermon series coming up. It's a wonderful, wonderful time. And Elijah has this great victory. And after it, he is thoroughly depressed because he is fleeing for his life. Um, And so he says, he gets to a point where he's in the wilderness. So uh, 1 Kings 19, verse 4. And partway through the verse, uh, at the beginning of that sentence, he says, he came broom bush sat down under it and prayed that he might die that's how low he was i have had enough lord he said take my life i am no better than my ancestors then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep an angel touched him an angel touched him and said get up and eat He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, all I want you to see there is just how the Lord strengthens Elijah. It is not miraculous. In a sense, I mean, it's miraculous that you've got an angel there uh, doing this. But the angel just provides for him food and drink, and he sleeps. And sometimes that is how the Lord strengthens people. That actually what they need is something physical. We need to remember, don't we, that we are physical beings created by God with physical needs. And sometimes the strengthening the Lord gives is just purely through those kind of things. And sometimes we need to remember that, that when we are struggling, that when we are low, when we aren't feeling good, when we are feeling physically weak, that actually what we need sometimes is a break. Or we need food, or we need drink, or we need to look after our bodies, because that is how the Lord has made us. And that is okay. It's part of being created. So sometimes the Lord strengthens to overcome a weakness through physical means. Sometimes, though, it is miraculous. And there are plenty of times in the Bible that you could look to where the Lord does something miraculous to strengthen someone. Often it says the Lord, the spirit of the Lord descends on them, and then they're able to do something dramatic. That's where your mind might turn to someone like Samson, if you know your Old Testament. Someone like Samson, who at one point, a lion attacks him. And it says, the spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he tore the lion apart with his bare hand. And it's something that uh, younger church family members would delight in these kind of moments of Samson doing that kind of thing. And maybe the older ones enjoy it as well. That the Lord would strengthen his people through miraculous means to overcome a weakness that they have. And sometimes it's less dramatic than that. Sometimes it's the removing of a weakness. For instance, sometimes it's very tender moments in the Bible like with Hannah or Leah two women in the Bible, neither of whom were able to have children. And yet the Lord worked in them to open their wombs so that they could have children. The Lord removing that weakness for them and strengthening them in that way. And of course, in the ministry of Jesus, we see this over and over again, don't we? That as the Lord Jesus is interacting with people, so he strengthens people in incredible, miraculous ways. That he heals the sick with a touch, that he gives sight to the blind, unstops the ears of the deaf, makes the lame walk. He does incredible, miraculous things. Here is the Lord amongst people, uh, touching them, doing things to strengthen them, to overcome weaknesses in incredible ways. So the Lord can strengthen in that way. And we can and should pray that he would do so uh, through natural or miraculous means. uh, And there are times where he does. It's as if, if we are a boat with a rock in our way, the rock being the weakness that we face. Sometimes the Lord removes the rock and sometimes he gives us the strength to bash through it. And that is sometimes how the Lord works. That the Lord sometimes strengthens his people to overcome weaknesses. But that is not the only way the Lord works. Second, sometimes the Lord strengthens his people in their weaknesses. And for this, we need to turn to 2 Corinthians 12. I hope I've got this reference right now. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 10, page 1166. Would you turn there? And by the way, one of the added benefits, if you're turning in the the Bible, you get a little waft as the pages go over. So uh, I'd encourage you to do that, maybe to do it with vigor, um, because then you get more of a draft. Page 1166, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 10. And I'm going to start partway through that verse. So uh, verse uh, 7, partway through. And Paul has just been writing about some revelations that the Lord gave him. And he says to him, "'Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, "'I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, "'but he said to me, "'My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness.'" Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul is saying there was something that was given to him, a a thorn in the flesh. What's this thorn in the flesh? The answer is we don't really know. It might well have been a physical problem. We know from elsewhere that Paul uh, Paul had problems with his sight, and that may have been the problem. It may have been some other physical problem that he had that he describes as this thorn in the flesh. It's also possible that the thorn in the flesh was a person uh, who he describes as a thorn in the flesh and a messenger of Satan. That is, someone who was opposing him and the message that, that he was proclaiming. But the reality is we don't actually know But what we do know is, as he says, he prayed three times that the Lord would take it away, whatever this thorn was. And the Lord said, no. And actually said, verse nine, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So the Lord's strengthening Paul there, not uh, by removing the weakness or giving him power, as it were, to overwhelm the weakness, but actually to say, I'm going to strengthen you in the weakness. You're going to know my power, God says, in the weakness. As you go through that, as you deal with it, you're going to know my strength. And so it is in the times and places where we come to a point where we say, I can't do this. I can't do it. And as we look to the Lord, that is when we are at our strongest. Not because we feel strong. It's not that God gives us a kind of boost of it to make us go, yes, now I feel strong. No, we still feel weak. But yet the Lord strengthens us in the weakness. Great Old Testament example of this is Gideon, isn't it? Uh, we did a sermon series in Judges uh, a while back and looked at Gideon. He's a great example. Uh, In the Old Testament, Gideon, leading Israel, is faced with an enemy, an army which is so vast, so numerous, it could not be counted, he says. And he has 32,000 men in his army. And the Lord says to him, you've got too many people. They were vastly outnumbered. The Lord says, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into into their hands or Israel will boast against me. My own strength saved me. And that's our problem, isn't it? Sometimes if the Lord just removes the weakness or gives us the power to overwhelm it, we will think, I did that. We are glory stealers. We want the glory for ourselves, not for the Lord. And so the Lord weakens the Israelites even more. They are vastly outnumbered, but the Lord reduces them. They were 32,000. He reduces them down to 10,000. And then he says, that's still too many and reduces them down to 300. And then says, yet now I can rescue the Israelites. That is what he did. The Lord deliberately weakened the Israelites because his strength is made perfect in weakness. And no one could say it was the Israelites or Gideon who won the victory. It could only be the Lord. And the greatest example of this, the greatest place you can look to see this, because people get this wrong. They think that the Lord will always remove the rock, get rid of the weakness or make it so that you can blast through it. But he doesn't. And the greatest example that we can point to is, of course, the cross of Jesus. Because on the cross, Jesus was weak broken and yet paul reminds us in one corinthians that christ crucified is the power of god there is weakness there is power because through the cross we can be forgiven jesus could have been strengthened to defeat the cross That when he got near it, he just smashed it to the ground. He could have been uh, given power by all the angels of heaven to defeat those around him, the Roman soldiers. He could have done. He could have made it such that he didn't need to go to the cross. Of course he could. But he chose to go there. There was weakness, but there was strength as well. So God sometimes strengthens people in their weakness. What does that mean for us? We need to pray, put our hope in the Lord. And he may take the weakness away. He may give us power to defeat the weakness, or he may strengthen us to go through the weakness and see his power. Uh, A great example of this, modern day example of this, is uh, Johnny Erickson Tarder, uh, who some of you may have heard of. Uh, A month after finishing high school, secondary school, uh, she had an accident when she was diving, which uh, in which uh, her neck was broken and left her uh, quadriplegic. And she prayed initially, she says, that the Lord would heal her and he didn't. And it's now been over 50 years since that accident. She's still in a wheelchair. And you can look up on YouTube, there's a clip of her. Oh, this is what she looks like, by the way. There she is. There's a clip of her on YouTube talking. And uh, in that clip, uh, she describes uh, what she hopes it will be like in the future, sort of when she gets to meet the Lord beyond this life. And she can meet the Lord and she won't need the wheelchair. But she's saying, I'm hoping the wheelchair will be there. So that... She says she wants to be able to point to it and to praise the Lord because this is what she says. The weaker I was in that thing, the wheelchair, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. Sometimes the Lord strengthens us, not by removing the weakness or giving us the power to blast through it, but in the weakness, showing us his strength. Now we've got two final points, and they're both much briefer. The third is the faithfulness and unpredictability of the Lord's strengthening. You see, the promise in these verses Uh, that we have is that if we put our hope in the Lord he will strengthen us but we've also seen that the Lord strengthens in different ways sometimes it's through removing the weakness sometimes through so that we can blast through it and sometimes it's actually giving us strength in the weakness that we might know the Lord's strength so which is he going to do for us and the answer is I don't know I don't know for you. The answer is the Lord's strengthening is absolutely faithful. He will do it, but it is also unpredictable. We don't know how he will do it in any given situation. He is unpredictable. And you see that in the Bible. Okay, Gideon with his army, 300 men. How does the Lord use them? Well, they surrounded the Midianite camp. And in their hands, they had a trumpet and a jar, not things that you would normally take into a battle. And they blew the trumpets, and they smashed the jar, and they shouted, for the Lord and for Gideon. And the people in the Midianite camp turned on each other and killed each other, with the Israelites presumably just standing around, just watching, and that is how the Lord defeated them. And they might be tempted to think, if someone else came to attack them, aha, we know how the Lord works. We'll get 300 people, trumpets, jars, surround the camp, and we'll do that thing. That's how the Lord works. And the Lord never does it again. That is not the standard way the Lord does things. No, at other times, one time the Lord gets them marching round a city. You might know that one if you know uh, about Jericho. Another time uh, the, the, they just go out and everyone's been defeated already. Another time they have to go and fight the enemy, and the Lord tells them to set an ambush, and so on and so on. The Lord does different things every single time. The Lord doesn't repeat Himself. He is not predictable, but He is always faithful. And so with us, His promises to strengthen, but He isn't predictable. You may look at other Christians in similar situations to yourself and go, "Ah, that's how the Lord did it for them. That's how he'll do it for me. And the answer is, no, he he won't. It'll be different. Maybe for them, he brought a healing. Maybe for them, he strengthened them in in other ways. And you go, surely that's how God does it. No, he'll do it differently for you because he loves you and he knows what's best for you. And so we must simply put our hope in him and wait for him and see how he will strengthen. That's true for us individually and true for us as a church. But there is one final strengthening we must finish with, the ultimate strengthening. There is a strengthening we look forward to. Those who are Christians, those who put their trust in Christ, look forward to. Because, you see, there is an inherent weakness in our bodies They are weak. We are this side of Genesis 3. I can explain that more to you another time if you like. Uh, But therefore, we have weak bodies, bodies that fail, bodies that will die. But the hope of the gospel is that we look forward to resurrection bodies if we've trusted Christ. Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 makes the link between Jesus' resurrection, physical resurrection from the dead, and our resurrection. And so, we've got one last verse to look up. Okay, this is your last one. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 42 to 43. And so, uh, that is on page, I should have it here. Page 1157, therefore, go for it. Um, Page 1157. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 43. This is talking about the resurrection. You see, what Paul is doing is he's saying, because Jesus physically rose from the dead, those who've put their trust in him will also physically rise. We're not looking forward as Christians. We're not looking forward to being wisps or being, you know, just non-sort of entity. That's not the Christian hope. The Christian hope is physical resurrection in the future. And what will our bodies be like? Here Paul tells us, verse 42 so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it's raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. So we look forward, through Christ, to resurrection bodies, real, physical bodies that aren't weak like these ones, And then we will know to an even greater extent what it means that we will soar on wings like eagles. We will run and not grow weary. We will walk and not be faint. Johnny Erickson Tarder will run. And so will we and all who put our hope in Jesus. That is the future we look forward to through him. So we put our hope in the Lord for strengthening in this life and for the ultimate strengthening in the life to come. We must put our hope in the Lord and trust him. How he will strengthen us, I do not know. That he will strengthen us is sure. In our weakness, we cry to him. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your promises in your word. Thank you that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Help us, Father, individually as a church to put our hope in you and help us to look for your strengthening. Amen.